0: Hey, great day and welcome back to the podcast. So I know that it has been a while, but I wanted to touch base. I know that I haven't recorded a new podcast in a little bit over a month, Truth be told, we have definitely been running at a very fast speed um, in terms of the company. Starting back even from like July, you know, we took a couple of family trips. We were serving our mastermind students, our adult therapist academy students, our scale students. And then, of course, I was creating content and all those things. And so, in the midst of that, we were also getting prepared for a conference that went down in October, as well as graduating our mastermind students. And then we also opened up the doors to a new cohort um, for the Dope Therapist Academy. So with all that said, I've wanted to let y'all in on what has been going on behind closed doors. Um, I've kind of alluded to it with certain meetups that I've done online related to scalability and talking to our students and just letting them know that, you know, at some point I am going to, of course, make it more of a lessons learned because I always feel like there is a lesson to be learned when things don't feel good. So stay tuned because we are going to go deep into honestly what went down with this conference. So let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast episode. Hey, my name is Dr. TK and on this podcast show, we will uncover abundant tools to help you become the CEO of your business and life. I am a mom and wife who took the knowledge as a clinical psychologist working for a government agency, and being a professor for over 18 years into building a multi six-figure mental health business and seven-figure digital product business and doing what I love. Now, I believe that you can make a wildly abundant living and become unapologetic while also dreaming big, enjoying life, and making a huge impact in your community. This is the Therapist Deserve Abundance Podcast. All right, y'all, welcome back. And so I want you to ask yourself, what do you do when you feel like in the moment, everything goes wrong, like, what do you do? Right. So I always believe that there is a lesson to be learned. And um, I just want to take you back a little bit before I dive into this therapist deserve abundance conference, which was epic. It was awesome. It was phenomenal. It is not in my highlights yet. Um, we did post a lot of things in our stories. I do need to take out some time to sit down and upload all of my highlights that featured our entire summer with our clients and also with my family and events. But I thought that I would drop this to our more intimate uh, podcast community because y'all are faithful and y'all are loyal to tapping in. And I know sometimes we can go deep, deep, deep beyond business strategies to really talk, right? So I want to take you back to last March. Um, last March, I made the decision to move forward and have a conference that August. That means that we had less than seven months to plan a conference for up to 100 people. Now, what was interesting during that time is that I knew that we were facing inflation. However, very similar to when you know the pandemic happened, no one really knew what was going to happen with inflation? And to be honest, at this age, I had not felt like how we feel it right now, the level of inflation like it happened in 2008 and 2009. I mean, I felt back then that I couldn't find a job because it was like the housing market crash, but I didn't own a home, but it did impact. Where I lived and things like that because I had just graduated, you know, during that time. But nevertheless, I knew about inflation during the last conference. I decided to take a risk anyway. And what that means is that I typically have more intimate, in-person events. I like to keep them intimate. I like to know exactly who's coming. I like to know about your business. I like to spend more time with you, even if we do have guest speakers. And we typically have done it in the past um, in Las Vegas and in New York. And so last year, we actually had one in February in Vegas, and then we had the July one in New York. And then prior to that, we had always did it just in Vegas because it was easy for me to get over there. And if you are ever considering having an event, something you want to think about is beyond, you know, how many people are going to come and what the price point is. You also want to consider who needs to come with you, not who you want to come with you, but who needs to come with you in order for you to operate in your genius zone. And I've done so many events on a personal level and on a business level where I know that I don't even like to be by myself, let alone try to act like I can wear a cape, right? So with inflation, I knew in the back of my mind, even though I was trying to be super optimistic, I knew in the back of my mind that inflation may cause our clients or you know people from the general public who wants to come to the conference it may prevent them from coming simply because when somebody comes out of town for an event we have to consider they have to get the hotel if they don't live local and majority of our audience does not live local they live not in california and majority of my clientele um and people who even engage with me on social media they live on the east coast majority of them right so With that said, I was like, okay, these people are going to have to, you know, get their seats. They're going to have to get their hotel. They don't need to rent a car because as long as they're not making a vacation out of it, I mean, everything is local. We're downtown LA. They can just Uber to like LA Live by the Staples Center. And they can technically Uber to, you know, Hollywood or whatnot, because they may not want to drive down there anyway. It's too congested. And if you're not used to LA traffic, it's a no-go. And so also food beyond what we were feeding them during lunch. And so... Again, I knew that inflation may become an issue, but I didn't want it to become the issue that I constantly focus on. So we promoted, we promoted, we promoted. But of course, during certain seasons, I would have to fall back and only promote via you know, social media and the DM and like word of mouth. I couldn't go extra hard during certain months on email, or I'm gonna say I chose not to because I never want to confuse my audience with talking about, Oh, come to this conference. It's for scalability. But oh, you know, check out Dope Therapist Academy. It's for private practice growth because a lot of people are really. Um, attracted to meeting other therapists in person, which there's nothing wrong with that. However, I don't want the information that we're talking about going over their head. Now, last year our conference was a little bit different than this year. This year we had to be super strict with our messaging versus last year was more like work life integration. However, um, you know whether you're unlicensed, you know pre-licensed or licensed, we want to make sure that when you come here that you're ready to take action. Like that's my biggest thing is. Can you take action, even if it's becoming aware of how you're in balance of all the things that you have going on on the personal side and business side? Because it was work life integration. How can those things impact your business ultimately or your future business and you know streams of income? So we had a great time last year um, with the room being able to seat 100 people. We actually sold about like 50 tickets or so, right? So after that conference and then looking at how much was invested. I wouldn't say spent because to me it was an investment because it was a great opportunity for me to test the water to see what is it like to have a room with more than 20 people, which is more of our intimate event or a mastermind event. Cause it typically ranges from eight to 21 people just about. So this was 50 plus therapists in the room and I felt great. The event ran so smooth. Um, our current team member who's over our customer service, she actually had just started. That was her very first event. And she did an awesome and Phenomenal job. People thought that she had been with our company for so, so long, right? But at the end of the day, when we looked at the total investment plus the time and, you know, how much we charge for the tickets, we were just like, you know, we want to make it a good enough investment where, yeah, it can cover the cost. But I also started to think about last year what is the most important part beyond, of course, hosting the event? Meaning, am I focused on just giving back to my clientele, which may mean that maybe in a future event, we only serve our clients kind of like a mastermind. Maybe part of a launch is that they get a ticket to an event. But, you know, depending on how much this event may cost, the company will determine the location of the event. Um Food and beverage provided at the event, because sometimes when people are going to events, you know, you may have questions like, oh, my God, I came all the way out here and I still got to, you know, find my lunch. But you have to consider how much did you pay to go to that event unless maybe this uh, company has funding. Maybe it's a nonprofit. Well, my company is not a nonprofit. It's a coaching business, which means that I am the bank for the event. And I'm just sharing that because I know a lot of our clientele, they either want to get their clients in person, even if it's at an Airbnb, been there, done that, loved it, but learned a lot as well, or they want to host it at an actual venue. And there's a lot to take in consideration, not just with the venue itself, but also with team, with help, with prep, with investing in um services like photography videography and capturing the moment that you have right so let's go into what happened with this particular event now that i've set the tone and if you did not come to the what is it 2022 uh therapists deserve abundance conference and now you can kind of get a flow of what was happening and we shared this with the community when it was all over because they were like oh my god are you gonna have another one i can't wait and so we were like, all right. So we sat on it for a little bit and then I decided to press the green light, but we changed the venue. Now, why do we change the venue? I think I'm gonna have to do a whole nother podcast episode of just about lessons learned related to venue spaces. I talked about it a little bit on a past podcast episode and in a Streams of Income Bootcamp that is on YouTube and on the podcast talking about like live and virtual events and what to consider. But I really think I'm going to have to, or I'm choosing to dedicate a podcast episode about the intricate details about how we have specifically noticed trends during the pandemic slash inflation time. Cause that was a time that I started hosting events for 20 people, then up to 50 people. Before that, it was like eight people, three people. It was super, super intimate. So, When we put on this event, we made it a big deal. You know, I love the virtual, you know, online space, and I like to make announcements that are this big in terms of us having an event. I wanted to reveal the location. I wanted to reveal the dates of the venue, and we did it one year in advance. So in my brain, I'm believing that, okay, if we had the event in October, I had two months to think about it. I made the decision to go ahead and press the green light, flew out to Vegas, view the venue. and I captured this information all on social media like after the fact but of course I was capturing me going out of town they saw I was going to Vegas but they didn't really know like what the venue was what it looked like they just knew that I was on a plane like people in our community so when we decided to press the green light I had this big old reveal and I just dropped this crazy crazy payment plan for people to come I to this day do not regret having an internal payment plan But there are things that came up that are like, okay, next time you have an event, you need to maybe tweak the way or the length of time that the payment plan is for due to your investment to having to purchase things and get things prepared for the event. So at the end of the day, the numbers was as follows. We were able to sell 55 seats. So it kind of matched last year right? Um, we did promote it, but again, we ran into the thing again about not wanting to confuse our audience, especially when we're having a boot camp. We don't want people getting emails about a live event because they may say, ooh, fun, live event, six months from now, I could wait, not realizing that these are two different separate events. This live event was specifically for scalability. What I decided to do is instead of me having those two small VIP experiences, that's what we used to call them, like the masterminds, what I did is I took some of the content, And then I presented it to the group of 50-something clinicians. So I just flipped... Instead of us having like a total of three events, two small and one big, I pretty much told my audience, y'all gotta choose. Do y'all all wanna come together or do y'all wanna have smaller events? And they were like, no, we wanna see each other. You know what I'm saying? We wanted to be a big party again. Okay, well then we're not having the smaller ones, which means that you have to wait all year until the end to have it because we wanna give enough time to sell these tickets and to prep and everybody was down, you know what I'm saying? Um, but something is always interesting with ticket sales and I always, I'm gonna put this little you know strategy in here. Um, I always tell my clients, do not count a seat unless the ticket is sold. And even then with my events, a ticket can be sold and people don't show up. You know, I'm gonna get there too. So we were able to sell 60% of tickets. However, the people who expressed interest in saying, oh, I'm going, oh, I'm going was well over hundred. I'll say that, right? So of course I'm super juiced. Like, oh my God, we're gonna sell out. And honestly, within the first 30 days, out of the 55-ish seats, we sold 45. The other seats were sold throughout these virtual boot camps that we were having. And people are like, you know what? I don't really need the private practice thing, I'm good, but I really wanna work on scalability at the end of the year for 2024. Sort of like bet, come to the event, right? So they got either the pay in full or the payment plan, early bird special, whatever we had at the time. So these are some of the things that we ran into and now I'm gonna go deep, deep, right? So um, we noticed these things. People started canceling after they made their payment in full Or we had like one or two people who reached out and said, um, actually we had one person who gifted their ticket to someone else. Now I don't know what that arrangement was because on our FAQs, we let people know because of things I've learned in the past from having smaller events. We will not help you promote your ticket to be sold because we're still selling tickets. So if you are no longer able to come, you have to figure out the financial arrangement and get someone else to take your seat and just let us know who they are so that we can remove your name and replace their, you know, your name with theirs and get them situated. Right. Um, but then we did have some people that, You know, this is, again, always interesting because we're talking about business owners at this particular conference. So I've talked about financial integrity before and I'm just gonna say it again. As current or future business owners, laws of attraction says what you put out like a boomerang comes right back. So if you sign up for a payment plan, be within financial integrity to finish the payment plan even if you join something and you no longer like it. Even if you get through something and you realize, you know what? I really don't want this. You changed your mind. Maybe your business is going in a different direction. No matter what the cause may be, you signed up for the financial agreement, whether it be a four, five, nine, 12 month payment plan, kind of like a credit card, whatever it is, You cannot just drop your financial obligation because you can't finish. Now, I do understand that financial hardships was coming up a lot. I mean, we live in a serious world of inflation right now. We get it. But don't just abandon your payment. And I don't know, maybe some people's thoughts are, well, if I'm not going, I'm not paying the rest. You know, my my seat ain't going to be taken anyway. And that's the wrong mindset. I'm not saying that that's what we saw, but Sometimes I think that that's what be going on. Like my assumption in people's head, like, well, I ain't going, I ain't going to finish the payment plan. And it's just more about the integral part. What does it say to the person or the community, even if you don't want to fuck with us no more, you know what I'm saying? For whatever reason, ain't no bad reason though. We didn't get any bad reasons as to why somebody did not want to come. But some people just couldn't come due to either financial hardship or just other life starts life right? Conflict, pregnancy, you know, things happen. But at the end of the day, Our integral part is on our page, we put, please double check and triple check your schedule because tickets are non-refundable. They can be transferable, but we will not help you find a, a replacement. Okay. So we sold half the room. When we got there, we looked at the name tags. I believe it was about 12 people who outright just did not show. We had about two people who we knew were not coming, but 12 people did not show after they paid. And I was like, wow, Like, we know we didn't even get an email and like we're partnering them at tables and all the tables worked out fine. There were like one or two tables with like three people. Um, but at the end of the day, like we're masterminding. And that's the thing too, that I want to um, you know, just throw in here is that the power of a mastermind is that all minds are collectively thinking together and brainstorming together. And we intentionally chose people to be at certain tables because, you know, of questionnaires that they filled out. So unfortunately, some people were unable to make it. Other things that we ran into that could have become a bigger issue, but we figured it out was finding a local photographer because typically the photographer that we use is coming from Orlando, Florida. And just with the amount of flights to be, um, the amount of flights and also what we found is that there was no straight flight from you know that location to where we were going to be that can cause an issue with delays and all those things it was just too many obstacles where we were just like you know what at the end of the day because we don't even know if we're going to have another like live event like this again with all the things that were coming up let's just have the event the most important piece to me is serving our clientele if it's meant for us to have a photographer we will find one And my husband, literally four weeks before the event, he was sitting on the couch and he was like, oh my God, I forgot, you know, something happened and it got triggered in his memory that he used to go to church with somebody when he was younger, that moved to Vegas and they do photography and videography. And when I say that boy killed it, like fire to the point where I want to fly out there like a couple of times a year and like have a content creation day. Like he was really, really good. So we ended up finding a local photographer, but there was a struggle initially because of also the prices that people were quoting just to be in the room. And truth be told, we've had experiences with photographers that just sit there half of the day because there's only so many shots you can get with people writing at their table. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, are you just charging because I told you how big the venue was or are you charging per hour? You know what I'm saying? So that is something you want to consider too, if you're hosting an event. Also, what we ran into is a housing the team Situation, meaning we had to just calculate the cost of how much would it be to put different people in a hotel compared to, you know what, let's just do an Airbnb. So for the most part, most of the team stayed in the Airbnb. The only people who did not stay in the Airbnb are our two. Um, speakers, but like the MC, but she was also a speaker. One of my good friends, Dr. Roche, she stayed with us in the Airbnb. So in our Airbnb, it was me, my husband, my son. It was the DJ and his wife, which, you know, his wife helped out with customer service. It was my um, sister-in-law and her husband because they helped out with my son until my mom got there the day of the conference. My mom stayed at the conference resort so that she can easily get my son, go to the room, take a nap and then come back kind of thing. Who else stayed in our room? Um, oh, my cousin stayed there. It was a huge Airbnb home. My cousin stayed there because he was helping my husband out. And then I think that's it. Okay. So, oh, and my assistant, Jade. So we, uh, my team member. So we all stayed in one house. It was cool. We got there the day before. We were able to pack like all of the, um, not the gift bags. They did that that morning, but like the folders and things like that, because we had technically a three-day event. And a lot of people didn't know that. We met with our mastermind students on Thursday and then we had our conference on Friday and Saturday, okay? Um, now, one big thing that I anticipated but did not expect this type of investment is the flights for specifically my team member, the MC and my mother. So I say that because all of us were coming from places where the flights are no more than 55 minutes. And I'm just gonna throw out a number. How would you feel if you went and bought a ticket from one of the lowest airlines, Southwest, nonstop, get two bags for free, 50 minute flight, not a big deal. Cause that's where that they, they didn't mind flying Southwest, right? And when I go to Vegas, I don't mind flying Southwest too. I don't need no first class, for no 50 minute flight. It's cool, but I don't, I don't need it. Right. But the flight y'all was $500. 500 So for three people, we invested $1,500 because we had to get them there. And unless we needed to rent another car, which was running $1,000 for a rental car, I'm like, mm, let's just get them there with no pain. You know what I'm saying? Because then we got to be like, who's going to drive? Then we got to fill up the gas tank. Then we got to buy you food on the way and back. You know what I'm saying? We were driving, me, my husband, my cousin, and my son, we all drove in a truck. And then also my brother-in-law and sister-in-law like trailed us. But I like driving because I like having my car there. And we're actually closer to Vegas compared to like everybody else. Okay. So those are all the things that kind of, I'm going to say we thoroughly had to think about before we had the event. Now, going into the event, let's talk about the venue. Um, before typically I host any event, I will ask a slew of questions. I'm not going to go through them on here, but some of the things that I expect the venue to do is give us deadlines like beyond payment. So we have those payment deadlines quick. They made sure to email us if they said the payment was due on Thursday, even though I told them I'm going to pay on Friday and we negotiated, but the, but the invoice still came on Thursday, right? So they would, you know, make sure that they emailed us on that, which is fine. You know, get paid for letting us host an event. However, I found it very odd and it should have been a red flag. I found it very odd that I was initiating with my team member because this was her first time hosting an event with me from the beginning. When she came on board, everything was done. So she just had to show up. So she also felt overwhelmed, which I had to work with her through that because I don't necessarily feel overwhelmed per se when hosting an event or creating one because it's fun for me, but I've also done it multiple times. So I said, you know, email the venue and let them know we need a meeting within this date range to make the food and beverage menu solidified. And also we need to decide on, are we going to give our mastermind students like breakfast or lunch? Because either way we need to feed them. Right. So, um, we set up those deadlines and we noticed that they were just like very loose, like, oh, okay, that's fine. Like they were just like taking our lead. And I thought that was weird. And so, so we noticed that they were very loose. And so we created the deadline. Um, we requested a meeting. Um, we got on Zoom and they just did like the phone thing on Zoom. And we were able to ask all of our questions and get, you know, all of our questions answered. Now, one of the bigger questions that I had, considering that, like what I don't like to do, because I don't want the venue to feel a certain type of way, but be- based off of their behavior, I kept bringing up other venues because it felt like even though other venues may have not been the best, but I mean, they were cool. You know, we would go back. It was just like the dates or something didn't match up or the budget didn't match up. It was just like all of them related to customer service were the same. We were getting a different flow with this particular venue. So I asked the person, hey, who's gonna be our point of contact the day of the event? On Thursday with our mastermind students and on Friday and Saturday in that bigger room, because I can already feel that if no one checks in on us in that bigger room, a lot of stuff can go wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like air conditioner, you just a, a lot of things, right? And I don't want to focus on that. I want to deliver the service. And so she said, oh, me. And so I was like, I get that, but we're going to be there at six o'clock, my team. We're probably not going to leave until six o'clock. I'm not sure if you work 12 hours, but I just want to know who else can we get in contact with if we need help? And she said, me. And I said, okay. Okay you know, I just take her word for it. Like, I guess. And so the day of the event, Thursday, we got there an hour early before our clients set up the room. It's not a lot of setup with our mastermind students. We were in a dope room. I actually wouldn't mind going back to that room if we just want to go to Vegas, if we want more than eight people, because if we want eight people, we can go to our spot at the ARIA. But if we want to seat like 30 to 40 people, we can go to like the smaller room. We don't need this big old conference room. We really got that space because we wanted to fill up the room with a hundred people. And so the Thursday event went Really, really good with our mastermind students. So many breakthroughs. Um, But there was one thing that was missing and it was no intro. Nobody there to meet us. The door was open. The catering department did a one bomb.com service. They made sure to check in on us. But typically when you have an event, either the catering manager Or the person who set up the event. Technically, for me, it's been both. They will come and introduce themselves. They're not gonna stand there all day. So they're gonna give you their cell phone number and say, hey, if you run into any issues or if you have any questions, text me. That's what I'm used to at every single venue, unless I have it at a peer space or Airbnb where pretty much I'm in charge, right? So none of that happened. So my team member made sure to get the people's names that catered the food because they came in to clean up. But outside of that, it was like we were in a big old hotel. In the middle of nowhere, because if I told y'all where this room was, you wouldn't even know how to get there. We had to give like specific instructions, like walk five steps and then turn left. It was like a damn maze upstairs, like above the palms. And so, you know, we had the event. We got their names down because we at least wanted to give them, you know, great feedback. So now get in, getting into the two day event. Let, let, let's get into probably why you're listening to this episode anyway. All right. So I made a appointment with a makeup artist first off to come to the Airbnb. I don't know why I separated the appointments and like booked them separately, but I booked one day. Oh, that's what it was. I didn't know if I would want makeup both days. Cause I didn't know if I would have a photographer both days. And sometimes, you know, I could do my own makeup, but when it's photography, the lighting is different and you do want makeup. And so I decided, let's just, you know, thug it out and have makeup on both days or whatever. And so when I went into the calendar, one of the days was booked up cause she had a wedding. So she said, if you book at five o'clock, if you want to do five o'clock, I can come to the house. So when we did that, I can't remember on what day I was supposed to do five and what day I was supposed to do eight right now, but I remember back then. And her scheduling system somehow deleted one of the appointments from the calendar, meaning it deleted it and then moved it to a different time. So it looked like both of my appointments were at eight o'clock. Now, apparently she knew that one of them was five, but the reminder system sent it at the wrong time and on the wrong day. So what ends up happening is, that's what it was. On the first day, I thought on Friday, it was at five o'clock technically it was supposed to be the other way around Friday was supposed to be eight o'clock Saturday was supposed to be five o'clock and so either way I woke up like two hours early definitely tired but I don't think that I would have been able to sleep in while my husband and cousins and everybody is like packing up the car and getting ready to go to the venue um so she came I called her and we realized that the schedule was messed up so she came like an hour early and then I was able just to like chill out And then get ready for the event. And then I had my extra car. So I just drove over there because me and my husband actually both drove both cars. So I called the team and I was like, hey, how is it going? And they started telling me issues with the docking station. The docking station is where you would load everything out of the car if you need to like set up and things like that. So apparently they did not know we were coming. However, when we go back to the paperwork, it shows that no appointment is needed. First come, first serve. Pretty much to sum things up, there were curse words being thrown out. There was us being thrown under the bus in terms of people making a phone call and then people saying they were supposed to make an appointment. And we're looking at the email and we outright say it: Do we need to make an appointment? And they responded and said, No. Always get everything in writing. So that was an issue. The TV people, we paid them extra, extra to come at seven o'clock in the morning, so that when people start coming in at nine o'clock. Everything will be set up. We wanted to allow room for troubleshooting because of our experience last year. So we were like, "Mm -mm, have them come an extra, extra hour early. So we paid for it. We also paid for two TVs. However, when I walked in, I noticed that there was only one TV not to. And the TVs were still not working. So if you were at the conference and you were wondering what was going on, they kept saying there was something wrong with my laptop. Then they were like, Oh, do you have a PC? We don't do PCs. We got a Mac. I'm not about to like go and buy a a regular computer. Like your connection should be able to work. It connects to my HDMI cable at home in five seconds. So when I got there, I swapped out my husband's computer. I used mine. I got my connector and the guy was like, you know, I don't want to use your connector. I want to use mine because yours is not going to work. And I'm like, Okay. In my brain, I'm like, attitude. And mind you, I just walked in. I'm huffing and puffing from dancing. I don't got time on a microphone to be doing this with you while my uh, clients are like getting to know each other at their table. And so we're running on time, but the TVs are not. So I told him I knew what I was doing. They walked off and tried to fix something. When he came back, I had it working. I'm like, this don't make no damn sense. And so um, we got the TVs working. They were very sensitive to like, if you hit the cord, the TV will go out. So it is what it is. But I told my assistant, we just took notes. I'm like, you better write down an email to people that only one TV came. And we found out that we think that they contract people out because apparently the delivery people did not tell the company that we paid. Um, we didn't know that they didn't work together, but they didn't know that they didn't deliver two TVs. And so they end up <laughs> refunding me half of the amount. And again, just to like give you an idea of how much it costs to host you know, events is the food and beverage minimum was $15,000. That's minimum. Okay. That does not include photographer with videography, two days, DJ, team members, people who checked you in all the gifts, prizes, decor, balloons, Um, and of course you typically go over the food and beverage minimum and they know you're going to go over it because we only sat half the room and we were definitely over it already. Right. So, okay. That was that again, just like Thursday, no introduction. So the, um, also, oh, the room was not set up correctly during the meeting. We drew out the room. We sent it over to the person. They still did not do what we asked. And so when I FaceTime my team member and found out what was going on, I'm like, nah, tell them to move the couch outside, tell them to do X and, and don't let up. You know what I'm saying? Um, So, she, you know, she did that, but my team was overwhelmed. Also during the last like hour of day one, one of uh, our speakers went and got some water out the cooler and she was like, I don't really like hot water. And I'm like, why is it hot? It's a cooler. We found out that the whole day, I guess my clients didn't say nothing. Y'all should have said something that the, the water uh thing was not plugged up. So when we made a complaint to the disappearing act of the catering department, because nobody came and checked in on us, they were like, oh, I'm going to send somebody up there. We said, why are they coming? Can you also get somebody to replenish the T-bar that I paid for extra Cause I need lemons. Like I need lemons for my tea y'all. And so like, that's important. If I'm paying for the whole tea bar, you better give me all of it, right? So they said, okay, we'll send somebody up. So the people came and moved the water cooler. It was literally in a plug that did not work. So they just moved to the other side of the room. I told my team member, write that down cause I ain't paying for that either. It's four o'clock. We leave at five o'clock. We not about to pay for hot water all day. And it was still full. So therefore people probably drank and it was like, oh hell no. And didn't say nothing. And so that was that. And, you know, they never brought the lemons. So that was just like, <laughs> write that down too. What else? Oh, so then after day one, we made a phone call to the lady who we had a meeting with. And we told her all the things that happened, but we made sure to let her know about the staff that did well in terms of the people who set up the food on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It was the exact same people. And so she says she's going to, let somebody know to check in on us. Somebody did come in that morning, more so for what we were going to do for our clients at the end, which is open up the roof. They came in and we told them what time to come back and they did. But outside of that, we had no contact. So could you imagine being in a big old space at the top of the palms, the top of the hotel, you're up there in that club space because it used to be a club and you ain't got nobody to call. You have nobody to text. Um, One of our team members, cousins running downstairs just trying to find somebody. We tried to find the bellman and when we were packing up. It was just like, a hot ass mess. <laughs> like if you saw my face right now, like I'm cool right now. But if y'all would have saw my face, like the night of the event, we had a whole powwow in the Airbnb about like how we're going to gather our thoughts for day two. Because also we ran into staff members. Well, I didn't, but my team did during the setup where it was curse words being thrown out, and I was like, yeah, that's that's a no go. Like. I don't fucks with you if you fucks with my team. And, and I will tell our community that as well. If my, if my team emails you, odds are they got their script from me. They got the standard operating procedures with what they're supposed to tell you in the email from me. It's very little times that they actually at live and like add their own twist. And that's more just like patting down the email, you know, saying hello with your name on it. But outside of that, your girl has SOP'd this thing out. And so when somebody comes to my team member sideways, which has happened, or when they try to go around my team member and say, I want to talk to Dr. TK. Yeah, you're not doing that, right? And so respect people, integrity. Now, day two of the event, all oh, that happened y'all on day one. Day two of the event, we ran into only an issue with Wi-Fi. We already expected that. We ain't about to see nobody on day two. So we just had a game plan for how, we's gonna, how we were going to have each other's backs, even on another level. Right. So like I came a little later, um, you know, I went and got Starbucks for the whole team, you know, on day two or whatever. And they came down and got it. We had our Mickey Mouse theme. You know, we just had a great old time and we were able to come in a little bit later on the second day because there was no check in like that. And so the only issue we noticed that we had was that when we were changing speakers, the Wi-Fi font wouldn't change. My team member contacted an off-site Wi-Fi team because they're not at the venue, y'all. These are people kind of like a school psychologist where they work with five different schools, but they station in one office. So the person ended up in the midst of our event uh, asking to upgrade our Wi-Fi because there's something wrong with the Wi-Fi. And I knew something was wrong with it, but I'm like, we ain't got time to like, really go back and forth. So just do whatever we got to do to make it work. So they added, quote unquote, more devices. Well, we found out later, they were saying that we were over the devices. Well, I don't know how we would be over the devices when we didn't give anybody the password, but me, my team member and the DJ, and we were supposed to have five devices. I just told you three. We contacted the DJ and we said, did you give the wifi code to your wife? Did you use it also on your phone? Because that counts as a device. He was like, no, I literally only logged onto my computer and then I logged off and we weren't playing music. Okay, so they end up having to give us, or they chose to, I guess, uh comp us 50% of whatever that uh company was trying to charge us. Because like I'm saying, y'all, you got to speak up for yourself. I don't care if it's your first time hosting an event. If you know that something was not guaranteed or promised to you or it didn't get delivered in the way that it was supposed to, speak up. It's not necessarily about getting money back, but for me, it's about I want to see that even if all this stuff went wrong, but even if I want to have an event here in the future, are you able to own your faults, right? Are you able to have open communication and talk to me about what went wrong, right? And the biggest thing that I saw that went all the way wrong is when we got back on the phone with the first person again at the end after the event to tell her all these things that happened. We were told that she took full ownership, but I found it odd that it didn't happen until after we got on a call, which means that if you knew that what I'm about to tell y'all went wrong, you should have emailed me the first day you got back into the office, why do we have to blow up your phone for you to acknowledge this? And and that to me is like the integral communication piece, like the follow through. Apparently what happened is she knew she wasn't going to be in the office that day. Now, mind you I just asked her two times on that call, right? And she said, yeah, I'm the point of contact. So she knew that she was going to give it to someone else. Well, apparently she sent the email to the wrong team member. Now, when she found that out, what she should have done is just emailed us and said, hey, My apologies. You were supposed to be set up with person A. It did not go through. My apologies, let's meet. You should have initiated the conversation. At least that's the way that I think, right? But I know everybody don't think the same. So it is what it is. But also we found out that Friday, the day we had that meeting was her last day. So let me give you a timeline. We had the event on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We had the meeting with her, I think on Tuesday. Her last day was on Friday, now her responsibility was to clean up all this mess that was going on with our bill. We needed to get the final bill so we can make sure they're not overcharging us, double charging us. And oh, the double charges came and she said she was going to get it handled and she didn't. So we wrote a very long email using our companion, chat GPT, hello. And the person, the new person got back to, you know, my team member quite smoothly. I told my team member, you handle the phone call. I trust that you can get it done. You were there when it all happened anyway. I wasn't. So she handled the phone call They gave us a certain amount of money back on our bill and then sent us over the final bill. So I said, if if we can work with that person based off how quickly they were responsive, they were way more responsive and way more caring in writing and over the phone compared to people we had dealt with over the last year. So I said with that, if that person's there, I wouldn't mind coming back, but maybe to like the smaller room to do a more intimate event. So now that I've spent this whole podcast about talking about what went wrong, let's actually focus on what went right. OK, so I believe in what's called the three C's. And this is what we really focus on in, with our clientele, community, connections and collaboration. That is by far the most important thing to me outside of having a physical space to get them together. Right. So I believe that I was there for a reason First of all, I met some epic therapists. I met clients that I never met before. It just felt like a high school reunion. Like That's all like, I can think about Like when we get together is it's like a reunion because a lot of these clinicians are meeting each other online through our programs or through social media or even through virtual boot camps on YouTube. We have certain clinicians that always are in our boot camps, even though they may not join our program or they may not need our program. They just like being in the community. So it was just really good to connect everybody. Um, 60% of the audience or more was, Um, They were all alumni or current students in our current uh, programs. And it just felt really, really good to give them that holding space. Um, And at the end of the day, despite everything that I share with you, and honestly, I I wanted to share all of that because again, I hear a lot of my clients are wanting to host events even with five people. And I just want you to know what questions to ask, or what to expect, like take my lessons learned and then shortcut your process, like write down questions to prevent some of these things from happening if you can, right? So at the end of the day, I had a ball. I had fun. It was definitely three days to remember. And I I told myself, I want to remember this feeling, not the feeling that we had in the beginning. That's the most important piece for me. How can I make sure that when I do anything, a virtual event, a webinar, a podcast, a YouTube video, whatever I'm doing to serve, I wanna feel like this. So I realized when I got home, cause I didn't have much to do outside of one DTA call. I didn't have anything scheduled for the rest of that week outside of self-care. And I did that intentionally because I have a habit of right after I come back home from a vacation or vice versa, if I'm hosting an event, I will go right back into work because it typically happens in the fourth quarter where some stuff maybe back to back. So I was having something like that week, but again, it wasn't going to take up like that much of my time. So I realized after I sat still that I really, really need to take the rest of this year to focus on higher quality questions, especially when things go wrong versus focusing on, let's just vent about what went wrong. We let ourselves do that for like 15 minutes. After that, we were in troubleshooting at the table at the Airbnb. So some things that came up is, you know, like I'm going to share with you, if you like how the actual event made you feel. Like this is something that I reflected on. How can you get that feeling back without depending on a vendor or a venue to make it happen? So I'm gonna repeat that again. I liked the feeling that I had after the event. So if I like that feeling, remember it. And now I need to ask myself and my team, how can we make this happen? But maybe potentially even, be more in control of like some of the things that were happening so that, you know, we could feel a little better. So I realized certain things were important and certain things are important. Like this experience made me slow down in terms of how I move for another event, even a small one. Customer service and communication is always number one for me. That is within integrity. Integrity is one of my core values for the company. So if I see a red flag of integrity from jump, it's a no-go for me. I also need to slow down with signing a contract right? Now, one of the things that I wish I like had enough courage to do is pre-sale tickets, which we can, but considering the show rate, that's why I'm always iffy because again, people will say they're going to come all day long and when it's time to buy a ticket, it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, this came up or it's not the right time, whatever. But what I would love to do is like pre-sale tickets and say, hey, we're going to have an event. It's going to be in March. I don't want to dedicate dates because it's based off venue space. It's going to be in this particular area because we know where we're looking and then it is what it is. I'll let you know, like in 30 days kind of thing, because, you know, sometimes like I've done that with Airbnbs and it works out better because I actually know who got skin in the game. So that will tell me around and about what kind of venue I should be looking for. So that may be something we consider in the future. Um, Also, what's important to me is paying attention to who is serving us at the venue. Is it a administrative staff at a peer space? It is a catering department. We made sure to turn over all of the catering department people's names and give them a five-star rating, an a A+, um, with their names from their name tag because we wanted to make sure that they were acknowledged because they did their job well, right? Other things that we saw as important is that, you know, making a Zoom call to debrief about your experience, even if the experience was all good, you wanna be able to do that with the venue because I believe that if you wanna keep hosting events, even if they're every other year, ideally build a relationship so that if you wanna go back to the same location, it'll be easier, right? Again, I liked the small room. That was another big reflection. So I realized even though the big space was great, we were able to have a DJ and just have all this extra space. At the end of the day, every time I remember being on a stage, What's most important for my clients is connecting to each other. At the end of the day, we've been in a hotel room. And as long as they can sit on a couch, they ain't even got to be at a table, y'all. As long as they can be in the same room, they are good. Why? Because therapists work in isolation. Okay. So I realized that if I want to host an event in the future, because that's what I love to do, they have to be under certain conditions that make me feel good throughout the whole experience, not just the end. All right. So if you're wondering if I'm going to have a live event at some point in 2024, well, you just got to stay tuned. Because like I said, I'm slowing things down. There are some things that have been laid off or paused even in our product suite. I mean, there's so many things that I want to drop right now, but I need to make sure that I process it correctly so that I can deliver the information in a very lesson learned, receiving way so that it's not just like I'm telling you what's going on in our business, but I always like for you to walk away from everything that I talk about as a narrative so that you can take it and say, okay, what can I use in this podcast episode to you know, implement in my business? So if you want to come to a live event and you're not part of our scale community or our mastermind alumni who renewed because they will have a live event no matter what, um, we will you know, let let you know what what is happening, okay? Um, now, do you want to connect, build community and collaborate virtually, specifically around the topic of private practice? Um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast episode, we are um, going into the fourth quarter. I am going to uh, release another podcast episode, probably right after this one. And I'm going to talk about what changes we made in terms of our schedule, um, And I'm going to break down how I decided to change our launch calendar so that we can adjust our entire launch calendar that made sense for me, my energy, my family, my clientele, how many launches I wanted to have, our goals and all the things um, for 2024. So I cannot wait to share that because I know sometimes we get so stuck like a robot on doing something Over and over again at the same time each year and sometimes depending on what season you are in as a business owner that your team is in that your clients are in that the economy is in you will have to pivot and that's one thing that I have learned really well about myself as it relates to resiliency I know how to pivot hell I play basketball I play football I know how to pivot very well. But I want to teach you how to do it, all right? And so until then, I really hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. Please share it with someone that you know, that you think could benefit from lessons learned in business and just thinking positive. And also, if you want to come to that private practice bootcamp, just check out the show notes. Go to drtk.com forward slash links. We are going live on YouTube for the last time this year, December 5th, 6th, and 7th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The replays will be available for a short period of time. We are going to switch up the content just a little bit because we are going to be pulling in some dope tools that I don't want to ruin yet in our Facebook community for the bootcamp. So make sure that when you join the boot camp, that you also make sure to join that Facebook group because we have some awesome things happening for about the two-week period. And what's going to happen right after the boot camp is the Dope Therapist Academy doors are going to open. Now I want to be clear because some people are like, oh my God, I thought she said not until January. I'm going to go into that in the next podcast episode. But the doors will open in December. There will be a welcome call right before Christmas break. We are shutting down the business for two weeks. So we're going to make sure that all of our clients are situated, got access to the portal. They start their portal or maybe they're taking a break. And then we're going to resume at the beginning of January, technically with like the second call for this cohort. That means that they're walking in to 2024 popping. All right. So if you are a clinician, whether you are close to licensure or you are licensed and need to either launch a practice from uh, scratch or you want to relaunch an existing practice um, in this day and age where it is different, then make sure that you check out the bootcamp to like assess the health of your business, focus on your niche, and we're really going to dive into y'all money. All right. I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Listen, I am over here dancing. You just finished another epic episode of the Therapists Deserve Abundance podcast. Now, I know that flew by way too fast. So if you want more, please head over to our resource page at drtk.com forward slash links for additional abundant resources. Until the next episode, live intentionally abundant.